Welcome to the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. To learn more about Salem Alliance, including life groups, gathering times, and other resources, visit us online at salemalliance.org. Today's talk is given by Josh Mann. What's up, party people? Hello, it is good to see you this morning. Uh, There's a lot of familiar faces in the room. I might be a familiar face to some of you. If you're like, I feel like I've seen him before. We had a thing here a couple years ago, about 12 years ago. I got to serve as the middle school pastor from 2004 to 2011. Any, anyone from that era? Were you here then? Yes. My people, it is good to be together. Me and my crew of three left in 2011 and uh, served in Gig Harbor, Washington for 12 years. My wife and I co-pastored there at Fox Island Alliance Church, and we're back. And so it's fun to be back. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's good to be back. Well, shall we? Hey, kids, any kids in the house, raise your hand. Let me hear you say, hey Very good, very good. Actually, that's kind of a trick question because everyone's a kid. Because if you have parents, then you were someone's kid. So let's try that again. Any kids in the house? Hey, all right, there we go. That's what I'm talking about. If you are a kid kid, though, maybe you got one of these. Maybe you got one of these. Show me who we rep in here. Hey, I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. All right, we got any favorites? Who, who's, whose favorite is bingo? Anyone? Oh, okay. I see that. Summer. Nice. Whose favorite is mum, also known as chili? Okay, I see that hand. See that hand? Uh, I didn't have a mum. I had a mom, but I hear they're similar. Whose favorite is uh, bandit? Dad. Okay, yeah. He's a decent dad. You know, dads aren't always well represented in media. That's for another day. Um, Whose favorite is Bluey? Love Bluey. Okay, so, yeah. All right. Oh, how wonderful. Thank you, Jesus, for new life, young life, beginning afresh in you. We celebrate and honor God's continued work among us. Amen. I'm glad we're all together. We're better together. So uh, speaking of favorites, when I was a kid, my family lived in China. And so that was fun and unique. Some cultural differences there. Uh, Most families in China, nearly all families in China had how many kids when I was there? One. Single child family policy. So my family had three. We were three. We were white, in case you can't tell. And they weren't. Our hair was blonde. Their hair was all black. I lived in Wuhan. Yes, Wuhan. We were like repping COVID-86. It was way, way before COVID-19. People would come up to my family, and after touching our hair and squeezing our cheeks, we were cute. Uh, They would say, so which one's your favorite? 
and and my parents would just laugh it off and say, "Oh, we don't have a favorite. We love them all." And then later, I would see people say, "No, no, seriously, which one's your favorite?" Like, that's not a question I can answer. What are you talking about? Um, though I did hear this story once of after a memorial service for a grandma that some granddaughters were reminiscing together about all the things they loved about grandma. And one of them ventures forth to just say, grandma would always tell me I was her favorite. And you see this look of shock on all the other granddaughters at hearing this, but it's not the shock you're thinking. It's because each one, one by one, says... No way. She said the exact same thing to me my whole life. Grandma told me, you're my favorite. And they each blossomed, right, and bloomed under the, you love me. You delight in me. You see me. And it didn't take away from them at all that Grandma had said this. Good for her. Good for you. In fact, it's kind of impressive when someone can do that. There's a lot of examples of favoritism in the Bible that are not good. When we prefer one person over another person, each equally valuable, made in the image of God, distinct, one of a kind, priceless and precious, and we act like they're not the same, that one's better, worth more, and one's worth less, it's messed up and it messes us up. And today, we're going to learn a lesson about this, both from Scripture and from the life of Bluey. I want to first go to our text, just kind of present it, and we'll see how it's instructive a little bit later on. So, kids and adults, would you follow with me? We're going to be in John 21, just a few verses. This is a conversation we are going to observe between Jesus and Peter. I don't know about you kids if you've ever made a mistake or not, but I have, I've made plenty. And sometimes after I make a mistake, I feel embarrassed or I feel afraid. I might want to lie or hide or pretend it didn't happen. I don't want to clean up the mess that I made, so to speak. Well, Peter messed up. He made probably the biggest mistake of his life. He hurt the person he cared about most. That was sad and significant. On the day Jesus was betrayed, Peter pretended like he didn't know him. Peter was scared, and sometimes when we're scared, we make poor choices. And Peter said, I don't know Jesus. And so Jesus was crucified, he was buried, and then he was raised to life, and he comes back to his friends, and he's revisiting with them. And he's looking at Peter eyeball to eyeball. And Jesus is not condemning Peter. Jesus is not shaming Peter. When we make mistakes, it doesn't need to mean that we are rejected, that we are unloved. That's not true. It means we made a mistake and something needs to be made right. And Jesus comes to Peter and Peter denied Jesus three times and Peter gives Jesus gives Peter the opportunity three times to declare with his own mouth, I love you. Jesus says, do you love me? Peter says, I love you. Three times. And, and Jesus puts Peter back in the place that he 
was designed to be. It's encouraging for Peter. Peter could live the rest of his life feeling shame or insecurity about his failure. He could wonder if God still loves him or if there's still a place for him in God's kingdom. And Jesus makes, leaves no doubt. And so this is the assignment Jesus says Peter is going to have. And I want you to listen to the language that Jesus says to Peter. Less about the specifics, because that was for Peter. Ours are different. But more just the nature of this conversation. Jesus says to Peter in verse 18, I tell you the truth, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him the key words, the key phrase, follow me. Keep your eyes on me, Jesus says to Peter. This is the exact same phrase Jesus said to Peter when Peter was probably in his late teens and Jesus encountered him on the shore of a lake. And Jesus said, follow me, follow me. And Peter left his nets. He left his life and his understanding of reality as he knew it before and he embarked on a new adventure. An adventure of faith by following Jesus and trusting in his love for him. And he had experiences and he grew, but one day he failed. Jesus comes back to him and invites him to continue again and gives him the exact same instructions. Follow me. So what this says to me is if you're a kid, here's what Jesus is saying to you. Can I have all eyes on me? Jesus is saying to you, follow me. I got you. I get you. And I know where we're going. And to all the adults in the room, the message doesn't say the same. Whatever you've been through, the message is clear. I've got you. I get you. Follow me. Peter does what I do in the very next moment. He turns his attention and gaze from Jesus to his left or to his right, and he sees someone else. And he says, what about him? And he compares himself to John, another one of Jesus' beloved friends. He literally turns, it says, and saw behind them the disciple Jesus loved. What a great description for yourself. That's who's writing this story. And Peter asked Jesus, what about him? What about my sister? What about my brother? What's going to happen to him? And Jesus says very straightforwardly, what is it to you, Peter? What does that matter? As for you, what's he going to say? Follow me. Eyes on me. Eyes on me. Eyes on me. When we compare ourselves... We get distracted, and sometimes we get discouraged because there are differences among us. Have you not noticed? We are not all the same. We're not all the same in our personality. We're not all the same in our capacity, and we're not all the same in terms of the path we're on. 
And in this episode of Bluey, we're going to see a dad who gives one meal to his two kids and thinks that surely one meal should feed two kids. And the kids say, oh, no, I like that, but I don't like that. And he says, how can two kids come from the exact same parents and be raised in the exact same home and be so different? Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. It's almost like God did this on purpose or something. And Bandit, in his fatigue, let's say, uh, lets out a little... uh, I don't know. He says, man, it sure would be easier if you guys were exactly the same. Sure, if ease was the goal when you became a parent. (laughs) But I can relate. I can relate. I usually, like, just admire what mom and dad do on Bluey, and I want to be like them when I grow up. But in this episode, I actually can relate to them a little bit more because we do this sometimes. So Bluey gets this creative idea. All right, Dad, I will take you up on that and come up with something fun and funny. And so we're going to see what Bluey comes up with to that Dad's comment. And then a couple clips are going to be spliced together where you're going to see that they reverse what they come up with. And then there's this kind of fateful interaction at the very end, which is going to be where we pick up. So without any further ado, roll the clip. Hi guys, so sorry. We asked Disney if we could stream the actual clip right now and they were like, no. So we're going to explain. I'm here with my son Jude, who happens to love this episode, what's happening on this clip. So the dad says it would be a whole lot easier if you two were identical. And so Bluey gets the idea to... Um make them the same. So they get some hair chalk and Bluey dresses Bingo to look exactly like her. So then Big Sister, now they both look blue, Big Sister's training Little Sister how to act like Big Sister. And it's kind of hilarious and cute because it includes things like you just talk a lot and doesn't need to make any sense. Mm -hmm. You ask questions, but you don't necessarily wait for the answer. You just leave your stuff everywhere and you do your jobs slow and kind of whinge a bit. Eventually the dad's like, can I order two of the Little Sister? Can we have uh, two bingos? And so they go back into their room and they come out dressed as the two brown colors. And and Bingo explains uh, how to be like the little sister, which is more like what? Neat and tidy um, and uh, like likes to do it things a certain way. So eventually the dad says this terrible line of, I could really get used to two Bingos. And then Bluey gets really uh, sad and runs to um, their room. And Bingo says, are you okay? And Bluey says, they want two of yous and none of me's. And that's where the clip ends. It's cute. It's funny. And the line at the end is damaging. The chief call of a parent The chief responsibility of a parent is to behold and enjoy, to delight in the uniqueness and the distinction of the child God has blessed you with. We have a unique responsibility to shepherd and steward the particulars of the children that God has chosen to entrust to us. Parenting is not about us. It's not about my self-fulfillment, my preferences, or my convenience. 
Parenting is a sacred act where God who sovereignly determines which children we are entrusted with. Sometimes he gives artists to engineers. And sometimes he gives engineers to artists. And we are called to train a child in the way they should go, not in the way we would have them to go. We are not to make them, create them, direct them, train them, raise them in our image, but to direct them, train them, encourage them, correct them to grow up into his image. And this requires difference with their differences. But in our humanity, correct that to say, in our fallenness, in our brokenness, we don't see things as they are. We see things how we are, and we can't help but project our preferences for certain types of characteristics over others. And so these two innocent kids each delightful in their own way, are all confident and joyful, content in who they are, teaching each other how to be like them so that mom and dad can have two of the same. But dad says, double bingos, I could get used to that. That's a wound. That's deeply shaping and marking. That kind of thing happens all the time. Because no parents are perfect. Mine weren't, yours aren't, you aren't, but God is. We have a perfect Heavenly Father, and the only way to recover our true identity is to see ourselves through his perspective. Otherwise, if we're not careful, this is what we will all end up doing in some way or another. Theodore Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt, I get why he's shortened that. Teddy Roosevelt, one of our president's kids, uh, once said, comparison is the thief of joy. Comparison robs us where there could have otherwise been joy if we were just content to be who we are and to Walk in what God has for us. There is contentment and joy available for you and me, different as we are in personality and experiences. But comparison is the key to losing our contentment. And how can we not compare ourselves when we wake up and see the, the beautiful diversity of all that God has made? If you're different than me, what does that mean for me? And this is what we end up doing. The first picture here I want to show up is uh, this first scene. This is when little sisters are dressing up to look like big sisters. We do this sometimes. In the next scene, the roles are reversed. We've got older sisters dressing up like little sisters. This is how some of us have gone through life. In the next scene, it's quite funny, this is actually how the episode ends, when they say, we'd like, we want one of each of you. And so they come back flip-flopped. We've got Bluey, the bigger, older one, looking like the younger one. And the younger, this is probably the most accurate picture of humanity. 
We're all trying to be someone else. We all think that in order to be loved and accepted, I need to be somewhat different than who I actually am. And you have a picture of what that looks like in your eyes, and I have a picture of what that looks like in my eyes. I can relate to this. When I was in China, um, we were homeschooled because I didn't know Chinese. And so if I was going to learn anything, I needed to be homeschooled. So there's how many people in my family? Yes, five. Sorry. Three, three, three of us boys. So only the two of us older ones were, were kind of school age. And so we're at the dining table doing our workbooks. And I look over at my older brother and he's like four grade levels ahead in his workbook. Good for him. Isn't that special? Wow. I really admire that about you. No, I can't see and appreciate the, the, the wonderful way God made that because all I can see is the difference. I'm way behind in comparison. I'm only on grade level. How embarrassing. How humiliating. How scary. It's genuinely how it felt. I remember this moment so clearly. I'm looking over at him and seeing the difference and saying to myself, uh-oh, who I really am doesn't measure up to that. And that's the standard. Pastor Jane Wolfe, who pastored in our recovery ministry for decades, wrote a book called Stepping Up, and in it she says, children are wonderful at observation. Aren't you kids? You notice so much, so much more than we even want you to sometimes. We think we can pull a fast one, but oh no, you are paying attention. While you are good at observation, we're not always good at interpretation, the why. And so I observe differences, but I don't know what to do with them. And in the lack of individualized attention I was getting from my dad, my dad had his own things going on in his life, which had him compulsively overworking, among other things. It's probably relatable. But in the lack of gaze between me and my dad, where I got to see his delight in me, for me, I was left to interpret these differences, and I concluded that's normal, and I'm not. And so, what am I going to do about it? I'm going to hide the real me. I'm going to protect the real me. I'm going to pretend to be kinder and funnier and sweeter and charminger and more accommodating and more acquiescing so that whoever I'm with will like me that way, and then I'll be okay. And what I would later have to experience from the Father is His perfect love, which quiets and calms our fears. Kids, have you ever felt like you needed to be someone different than you are in order to be loved? If your answer is yes, then welcome to humanity. It's unfortunately true. I asked my kids that question this week in prep for this sermon because I cannot preach something I am not... Applying, I asked each of my kids, do you ever feel like you need to be someone different in order to be loved by me? 
Parents, it's never too late to ask this question and to own in humility if their experience wasn't what we intended it to be. And God has to help us uncover and recover where those things are to to heal us, to be secure and strong in our identity in him and in his love for us. Because the truth is, this is how the Father feels about you. Let's throw up Psalm 139. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. We say at times, God made you on purpose. Yes, I want to add to that. God made you how you are on purpose. God made you how he made you on purpose. King David is writing this. This is a diary entry in King David's life. King David is an adult male who's powerful and successful. And if you open up his journal, he has a page where he wrote, I praise you, Father, because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. You probably have a hard time believing that that's true about you, but it is. And God doesn't just want to take you to the place where you believe this. God wants to take you to the place where if he gave you a blank sheet of paper and a pen, you'd come up with this in your own language. So deep and so profound is your lived experience of his love for you. That is the basis of your security and significance. King David, who wrote this, had a dad who one day was requested to come to a banquet and to bring all his sons. And that dad, Jesse, brought all his sons except David. What was it that caused Jesse to not bring his son to a banquet where he was requested to bring all his sons? Was that an issue in David or an issue in Jesse? That was an issue in Jesse. I don't know why Jesse couldn't see what God could see. God's never lost sight of who you are or who your kids are. They are fearfully and wonderfully made as complex as they may be. And as unique as the challenges may be in shepherding and developing them into the fullness of who God created them to be. God saw David. God made David who he was on purpose. God had plans and purposes for David. And do you think that David knows this from the father because he had to do his work to uncover and recover the truth about who he was because he had a dad who couldn't see it. I had a healing prayer appointment a few years ago. I don't know if you know what a healing prayer appointment is. It's a, it's a ministry we offer here. We do about 20 of these a month for anyone. And in this healing prayer appointment, the, the, the premise is, is there been a recent experience, some way this, sometimes this is how it goes, has there been a recent experience, Josh, where you noticed an overly intense emotional reaction to something? Or an area where you may be stuck, or that's kind of tricky. And so I said, yeah, one time, 
I, I, I'm like, okay, let me try to think of that. And I, I remember one time I was in a group and I needed to confess something. I needed to name a failure I'd had. And it was very scary for me to tell the truth about something I had done wrong. It was so scary, I almost shook as I shared. And I said, that's the experience that was kind of overly intense. And the, the, the person says, she says, okay, God, will you take us back in Josh's memory to the first instance of that kind of feeling for him? And I'm sitting there with my eyes closed, waiting to see where my attention goes. And guess what scene it takes me back to? Sitting at the dining table with my older brother. That scene that day, I didn't cry. It wasn't particularly intense then. But the difficulty I had in my 30s to tell the truth about a failure of mine was so scary because dating back to being eight years old, I believed the lie that who I really am, if that has to ever come out, will mean rejection. And so Jesus takes me back to that memory. And in healing prayer, we ask the Lord, what's the lie we believed in that situation? And what's the truth from your perspective about that situation? And Jesus, what would you say to young Josh in that moment? And this is what comes to my mind. I swear I wrote this a few years ago. It's uncanny in its similarity to this series we're in right now. Listen to what Jesus says to me back into that memory. Josh, look at me. He comes to the opposite side of the table. He sees me and my brother. That's the way I remember it. And he's looking at me and he says, Josh, look at me. I notice, I see you noticing your brother over there. How smart and capable he is. If I wanted to make you that way, I would have. But I didn't. I wanted to make you different from him. And special in your own way. He's red and you're blue. You don't need to become red. I want you to be blue. His strengths don't take anything away from you. You're gifted, valuable, and loved just for who you are. Not only do I not want you to worry about becoming more red, I want you to become the best blue you can be. He goes on to list specific things he likes about me. And then he says, you're accepted just the way you are. You don't need to change anything about yourself to make yourself more safe or appealing. If someone doesn't like you, that's their problem, not yours. Now come with me. And he leads me away from this into a setting where I get to see his delight in me. I'll suffice it to say that was a fairly significant day in my life as a fundamental orientation to the way I related to who I was and who I was around shifted. I felt like an electrical wire was pulled out of my body. Gang, you were designed to be delighted in, and you are. And you were designed to be developed into who you were created to be. But who you were created to be is not like more like someone, your sister, your brother, your parents, your neighbor. It's to become more like him. And it's to become your true self. 
So I want to just pause. We're going to continue in worship and invite Holy Spirit to say to us, God, would you reveal to us right now anywhere I'm living in comparison? Call to attention someone or something that I wish I had or I wish I was. And I want us to practice giving that over to God. Can you trust him with the differences or with the disappointments? Grieve them, but be free from insecurity about them. And here's the next question I want to ask. Kids, I hope you're listening. I want us all to ask our perfect Heavenly Father, what do you love about me? I want you to pay attention to the first thoughts that come into your mind. Gang, as we go from here, you might be saying, okay, so how do I do this? How do I get more towards the rootedness and the settledness from these things that nag? The first one is we want to gain ground into your true identity. We want this to be a place where we help people by the hundreds experience and discover the love of the Father. And so if we can sit with you in a healing prayer appointment, why not? Why not? We do 20 of these a month. Why not you? If this is your church, let's do this. The second thing is we offer soul care. Soul care is a uniquely transformational space. It's starting again this fall. We had 100 people do it this spring, and 95% of the people who did it said, I'd like to do it again. It was so impactful. This helps us encounter the love of the Father. And the second thing we have to do is we have to maintain ground. We have to remember. King David said in Psalm 143.8, let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love. I know you love me. I wrote Psalm 139, but every day in my 50s and 60s and 70s, I need to be reminded. I need to be assured that you love me through daily practices of that reinforcement. So that, as Paul said, our roots will grow down into God's love and keep us strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then, and only then, will you be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Would you stand and receive this as your benediction? I bless you, kids, all of you, with eyes to see what your heavenly Father sees when he sees you. I bless you, kids, with an ever-deepening experience of the love God has for you. I bless you with the courage to accept and even embrace the particular way God made you, your gifts and your limitations. I bless you, church, with contentment and joy, despite, in the midst of, paths unexpected. 
I bless you with security enough to not be threatened by the strengths and differences of those around you. Rather, may you celebrate and honor them, for together we are a beautiful, diverse tapestry of His grace on display to the world. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Salem Alliance podcast. We hope you have been challenged and inspired. Salem Alliance is a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. To experience other messages and discover more about who we are, please visit salemalliance.org or download the Salem Alliance app. And again, thanks for listening.